Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast? The podcast that almost made it a week between episodes, I think. Um, I think the last time I recorded was on April 22nd. It is now April 30th, which is eight days. So we're almost on a weekly schedule. But, you know, I have other things to do other than make podcasts. So it's a little bit sporadic when you get these. But if you listen, I appreciate you and I hope you listen again. Um, But anyway, this is What is a Podcast? A podcast where a guy who you probably don't know talks about life and other things that interest him. Um, But yeah, I guess I want to start off with sports today because I do like sports and the Houston Rockets are a big deal in sports. Um, If you don't know, the NBA playoffs are happening right now, as are the National Hockey League playoffs. And men's basketball is the most exciting it can possibly get. And the Houston Rockets are, you know, very good. They've been in the playoffs for several years in a row. And they, um, they've been complaining about the referees in the basketball games. They think that they're unfair. They think that they're not giving them the edge. They're giving other teams the edge. And honestly, I'm a little bit biased. I live in the Bay Area, but I find it hard to believe that people outside of Houston actually like the Rockets. I think that if you say you like the Rockets, you probably have some ties to Houston. Otherwise, I don't see how you can like the Rockets, especially after this latest fiasco. I have water with me and tea. So if you hear pauses, that's probably why. Um, But the Rockets, if you don't know, and their main star, James Harden, a whole lot of their strategy is fouling getting fouls called for them so that they, and by they I really mean James Harden, can get to the free throw three throw line and get some shots off for free. That's basically their game plan. And people who like basketball, not everyone, but a lot of them, they like, <clears throat> oh my God, how unprofessional. People who like basketball, they like to say that, you know, they respect James Harden, but they don't like the games that he plays. They don't like his style of play. They don't like just going to the basket and getting a foul or drawing a foul on a three-point shot and then getting free throws. That's basically how they they operate. That's how James Harden operates. And it doesn't make it fun to watch. It doesn't make for an entertaining game. It doesn't make you want to root for the Rockets or James Harden. And now they're playing the Golden State Warriors, which is why I say I'm biased because I live in the Bay Area and I am rooting for the Warriors to win, even though a lot of people don't want the Warriors to win. And I don't blame you at this point if you're living in, I don't know, North Dakota and you see the Warriors in the playoffs again and you don't want them to win. That's fine. You can think that. Um, But I definitely don't want the Rockets to win. And last night or a few nights ago, like there was like missed calls during the game and the Rockets were complaining as they usually do. And the Rockets complain about officials, about refereeing, about missed calls more than any team in any sport that I could think of. Um, and James Harden being like the the godfather of getting calls for him, it, it's a little bit, you know, 
bullshit when you complain about the refs, when you predicate your entire basketball philosophy off of the referees. You're not predicating it off of your skill per se. You're doing it off of the referees and getting calls and getting free throws, which you are good at. James Harden is good at, I should say. But it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, yes, you miss calls. Yes, referees miss calls sometimes. Yes, no one gets every single call that they want to get. That's just how the game goes. And the game, while it's supposed to be as fair as possible, sometimes it isn't fair. And sometimes you lose out on different calls, different avenues to victory. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way exactly that you want to. But I was just thinking, like, I don't think I've seen any player in any sport base a lot of their game, whether that's hockey, baseball, basketball, football, um, soccer, anything. I've never really seen anyone like James Harden in the sense that they, they pride themselves or they use their body to get fouled, potentially get in harm's way in order to get free shots. Or their whole game is based on the referee or the umpire or someone giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think I've seen that in many other sports. See, one thing that I could think of is maybe soccer. Like, people flop in soccer. They flop in basketball trying to get the call. But definitely not as much as James Harden puts himself in position to be fouled. Um, But... The only other thing I could think of is like timer stalling in like esports. Like when you have like say you have 10 minutes and you're in the lead and you just take hella long to make your moves so that you win because you stalled out the timer, not because necessarily of your skill. But other than that, I don't see how anyone in any sport that I can think of has a game specifically like James Harden or even comparable to James Harden. And then, if they weren't complaining enough about calls, which, again, everyone gets missed calls, everyone, you know, has issues with referees at some point. And then, the NBA says that Scott Foster, who has a history of fucking with the Rockets and has a history of not liking the Rockets, is officiating the game tonight. Um, As I'm recording, there is a game tonight. Um, between the Warriors and the Rockets, this might go up before then. It might be live before then. I know there's the Bucks and the Pist, not the Pistons, um, the Bucks and the Celtics. That's also going on right now, but or like it's going on today. Um, but I'm recording before um any of that happens. Um, but we'll see how long it takes me to get this up. I have other things to do today. Um, but anyway. Scott Foster is there, which is like, it feels like a troll on the, on the league's part. It feels like the league is trolling them because James Harden is essentially a troll. Like when you force yourself to get fouled or you give the referees no choice but to call a foul on you and then you get to the free throw line and you end up with 30 points or whatever, but like 15 of those are free throws and it's clear that you're not making shots, you're getting fouled, and that's how you're getting your points, that's how you're leading your team to success. You're kind of a troll, and it feels like the NBA is trolling back by assigning a referee that they know doesn't like the team and that the team doesn't like them. It feels kind of trolly, even though the league probably didn't do that on purpose, but 
it's nice to think that they did. It's nice to think that they trolled them. But on top of all of that, the general manager of the Rockets, Daryl Morey, is talking about the league cost them the, a trip to the finals last year. It cost them $20 million last year. And all because of missed calls against the Rockets. And I'm like, boo fucking who? What kind of fucking nerd writes an audit, writes a whole five paragraph essay to get complaints and get people on their side? I don't understand that at all. Like it was like, oh, I'm being treated unfair. We miscalled. They believe they're being treated unfair. But when actually, in reality, they're being treated more favorably because the reason why they win is because they get fouled. So if they're not getting as many fouls, then maybe it's because of missed calls. But it's not because they're treated unfairly. It's because they just missed a call or two. And because you predicate your whole game plan on getting the refs to call fouls for you, when they miss a call, you're going to be extra mad because that's the only way you know how to win games. And that's that's bullshit to me. And the GM was like, oh, I have this like report that I sent to the league and then they made it public or it got leaked or something. And I was like, this is the worst thing you could have done. Like, yes, you could have talked to the league in private like, yo, they're missing too many calls. They're... um. You know, they're costing us games, that type of stuff. You can say that for sure, but it really doesn't mean much when you're you're the Rockets and you're basically trolls on the court. And it's also like, it feels like you're trying to get a championship. You're trying to win the NBA Finals off of free throws. You're not trying to win off of like your actual skill. You're trying to win off of free throws. You're trying to get more free throws than the other team. You're trying to get James Harden, a good free throw shooter, to get to the line, to shoot free throws. And you're not trying to win based off of your actual talent. Like, it's okay. Like, sometimes calls mess the game up. We saw this with the NFL when the Rams and the Saints, the Saints got a bad call against them and end up the Rams went to the Super Bowl and not the Saints. Sometimes a bad call fucks up the whole thing. But when your whole game is against calls, what do you expect when you can't get every call because it's humans? It's not robots doing this shit. So humans are going to miss calls. And of course, you're going to create some animosity when you're always complaining about the refs to the media. The refs aren't blind or mute or deaf once they get off the court. They see what you're saying. They hear what you're saying. They can read. So why, why don't you think that the refs like Scott Foster and other people don't like you? That makes no sense. You're like all of this is like at least partially the Rockets to blame. And I think that if you're going to like write a report and send it to the league and say, we're being treated unfair because we got missed calls. That's nerd shit. You're a fucking nerd. I don't want to hear any of that nerd shit when it comes to getting calls. Also, I was listening to a podcast um, or the radio show. I believe it was Jason Fitz of ESPN who was talking about, we don't expect players to make 100% of shots. We don't expect quarterbacks to make 100% of their passes. You don't expect baseball players to hit 100% of the balls that are thrown at them. That'd be ridiculous. But we expect refs to be perfect. 
but that's actually like the human element of the game that makes it compelling more exciting um and i didn't think of it that way and it just makes me think of like people who want like robot umpires in baseball i don't think you actually want that you want the frustration along with the the mundaneness of a called call correctly because that's what makes it exciting we need ups and downs so the human element is always going to be a part of sports i feel like and robot umpires i don't think is the way to go and i always thought that i didn't want robot umpires but i never had that until i believe jason fitz said that i don't know if it wasn't jason fitz i'm sorry if it wasn't jason fitz and i didn't credit you but i'm pretty sure it was jason fitz of espn that said that um but yeah i didn't i didn't think of it that way but now i do um it's also i mentioned earlier the bucks and the celtics um which is another like marquee matchup and i don't have much to say about this except i am rooting for the bucks to win the bucks were the best team in the regular season and they lost game one to the celtics in a seven game series and people were riding off the bucks off of one game and i find it interesting that people still do that like in Yes, the Bucks lost pretty bad in game one. They lost by like 22 points, which is a lot if you don't follow basketball. But in the day of hot takes, I guess you have to have the hottest take possible. But we also live in a time of old takes exposed, of freezing cold takes. So if you have a too hot of a take after game one, you're going to get exposed. I'm not saying the Bucks are going to win. I want them to win. I'm not saying they're going to win or anything like that. I'm saying that don't judge something off of one game. That's ridiculous, especially in the semifinals. Like in the first round when it's like a one seed versus an eight seed, sure. But in the second round when it's like the three versus the four or whatever, or like the one in the four, whoever, something like that, um, you got to give it the benefit of the doubt that both teams will make adjustments from game one to game two. And I think like with basketball with baseball football is single elimination so not really but all those things you have to just wait a minute we're so quick for calling one player good one day and then calling the same player garbage the next day when really it's a spectrum people have good days and bad days it's all it's all relative but that's just one thing that annoys me about sports fans but anyway i'm gonna take a sip of water now Mm, 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 mm. Always nice to have just like a few seconds of me not talking and me drinking water. I also have tea. I'm going to sip that too while I'm here. <sighs> Delicious. Um, But yeah, other than that, football, the NFL draft um, started. I don't have too much to say about the NFL draft. I think anything that's been said or that needs to be said has already be, been said. I will say that I do think that Kyler Murray probably still should have chose baseball, even though he got drafted number one. It's not like he got drafted number one to a good team. Good teams don't have the number one draft pick. That's not how it works. Um, so I still think that he probably would rather choose baseball. And baseball... Um, Baseball's been good. Like, I've been watching games. The games have been good. I've been excited about them. Of course, it was a Tim Anderson controversy, um, which I thought was a little weird just because, yes, there's not that many 
black players in professional baseball, but black people like baseball. And like I grew up like playing on teams that were like like a good amount black, um, especially like my high school team. And like where I live, like the little leagues, like it's mostly black kids that play in the little league. Um, so I don't think that black people don't like baseball. And it seemed that a lot of the coverage was like black people don't like baseball. Like, what are we going to do about these black people in baseball? They don't like baseball and black people do like baseball. And of course, there's not that many black people in baseball, but really what they mean is like black people, black Americans, African-Americans, because a lot of these Latino people are black. They're Afro-Latino. Um, even if you don't want to admit it or not that they are, um, and I feel like a lot of the discourse is like, yo, no one looks like me in the clubhouse. Well, maybe they don't speak the same language as you, but they do look like you. Um, they are black. Um, but anyway, baseball's been good. I've been excited. I've felt like there's been really good games. Um, the games I've watched have been good. The Giants are my favorite team, and they aren't great. Um, but they're putting something together. I don't know what it is. They're putting like a third place run together, I feel like. Like, they're not hitting well, but they're okay. Pitching has been good for the most part. Um, except for, like, a couple games that got out of hand. Pitching has been good for the most part. So, yeah, I've been enjoying baseball. And, like, Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, as much as I hate the Dodgers and don't want to praise them in any way, Cody Bellinger has been bananas. Christian Yelich has been bananas. And I like Christian Yelich. I'll root for him any, any day. I won't root for Cody Bellinger or the Dodgers, but it's bananas. Um, the rookies have been good, like um, Fernando Tatis Jr., um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finally got to the big league, so that's exciting. But yeah, baseball has been good as well. Really, I'm just pissed off about the Rockets. And really, if you don't live in the Bay Area, and if you don't live in Houston, and you want to give your unbiased opinion... Does anyone really like the Rockets? Because I don't think they do at all. Um, but anyway, um, in other news, um, I've been watching or I started watching the Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. And I know it's canceled. And that's why I'm watching it. Mm. Just a sip of the tea there. I'm watching it because it was canceled. Like, I'd already known about the Santa Clarita diet. I knew that Timothy Oliphant starred in it. I knew it had something to do with eating people. Um, but I didn't really pay attention to it that much. And I decided to start watching it. Now that it's canceled after three seasons, um, I'm starting watching it. And I'm on season two. I just finished season one. And I think I know why they canceled it. <coughs> Oh my god, I'm sorry, but not really. I think I know why they canceled it. It's because of Timothy Oliphant's toes. There's too much of his toes in the show. Like, think about this. They're in Santa Clarita, which is Southern California, and I don't have a problem with Southern California. I spent four years down there. I don't have a problem with Southern California. Santa Clarita is not... Los Angeles, but it's like almost close to Los Angeles. Um, so you can think of it that way. It's like not LA, but it's like 45 minutes from LA. 
Like, it's more close to, like, I think, like, Oxnard and, like, Simi Valley and places like that than it is to L.A. Um, but it's Southern California, and it's warm, and it's nice, and people wear flip-flops. And Timothy Oliphant spends a lot of this show in flip-flops. And I don't know if this is problematic, but I don't need to see that much of men's feet. I really don't. And I think that if the show might still be on. It might have a season four if there wasn't so many toes. And I never thought I would say this, but there's too much of Drew Barrymore's toes also. She's like the main lead other than Oliphant. And she's in Sandals too. And there's too much of her toes either. I didn't think that I would ever say that this show has too many toes in it, but it does. And I was thinking like, do... People have foot fetishes for men because I know that foot fetish is exists. There's a whole website called WikiFeet for crying out loud. We know that people have foot fetishes, but mostly or almost 100% it's men have foot fetishes for women. Like, do people have, do women or gay men or people who don't identify with a gender or sexuality or whatever, do you have an attraction to men's feet? Because for me, like, I don't have to see men's feet ever. Like, I myself, like, I'm rarely ever barefoot. Like, I'm in my own house right now, and I am not barefoot. I don't need to see feet like that, and I just wonder... If people who are attracted to men like feet. And I don't mean like feet as in like they don't want disgusting feet. I'm not saying that. You should keep your body clean. You should keep your feet clean. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is are you attracted to feet? Like is there a wiki feet equivalent to men? Are men even on wiki feet? Because it seems like the whole foot fetish thing, it's pretty one directional. It's men towards women you don't really see women like yo that man has nice feet you don't see women's being like yo that man needs a pedicure so he can get his feet right not like that really so i don't know but other than that the santa clarita diet is actually really good like i was like pretty captivated by the first season even though it's like has horror elements and it has like blood and zombies and stuff like that it's pretty good. It's funny. I like the characters. It's like a family with a daughter and like the next door neighbor who's a nerd. And of course, like they're white people. So like everyone cusses in front of their parents, which is weird. But I'm sorry, white people, if that offended you. Um, but anyway, I think it's really good. I've, I'm going to keep watching it. I'm one third of the way through it. And there's a character. There's a cop on the show. Played by Natalie Morales. And oh my god. Natalie Morales, if you ever listen to this somehow, please, please DM me. Um, Because like, you have celebrity crushes and you think like celebrities are beautiful or something like that. But I saw Natalie Morales as a cop and I'm not like familiar with her work or anything like that. But I was like, oh my god. Natalie Morales. I didn't even know her name at first. I had to like, you know, Google it at first. But it was like, oh my God, Natalie Morales. 
oh my god, I have to follow her on Instagram off of two episodes of a show. I don't even know if she's in more of the show or not. I hope so. It was like, like you have like celebrity crushes and you have like people you think are attractive. But when she came on the show, it was like real life. That was like crazy. Like it was like, it was like you saw your crush in real life, but it wasn't real life. It was on the TV screen, if that makes sense. And I was like, yo, Natalie Morales is my favorite actress now. I I don't know what to tell you. Natalie Morales is definitely number one. It's Natalie Morales. And then after that, it's Helen Mirren. And then it's Meryl Streep. That That's my ranking of actresses now. Is Natalie Morales, Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep. And don't at me. My list is better than your list. But anyway... Other than that, I'm going to continue watching Santa Clarita Diet because it is now my favorite show with my favorite actress. But I'm going to talk about the Pokemon community again also. And I talked about this ad nauseum on my last podcast, um, but I didn't realize that there was another problem in the community. Um, So I was on Twitter and I follow a couple of Pokemon personalities, Pokemon YouTubers, whatever on Twitter. And there was a tweet from someone who I don't follow, but you know how like sometimes on the timeline, it's like five people you follow also follow this guy. So here's a preview of that guy on your timeline. So that's like the situation that happened here. And it was talking about the King Nappy, which I already discussed. Go to my last podcast on April 22nd, if you want to hear that. And it was talking about some other things. And then, and I'm going to take a sip of my tea first, get ready. It was like, oh, this person is a hardcore feminist now. And that person was Jubilee Blaze. I'm not sure if I pronounced that name right. It's Jubilee, J-U-B-I-L-E-E, Blaze, B-L-A-I-S. Um, and that's all one word. And this is a person that I know about, but not someone that I frequent. Like, when I look at Pokemon content, I mostly go for playthroughs and semi-competitive to competitive battling. I don't really like, or I do like Pokemon theories to an extent, but I don't really like um, like top tens or like rankings or like fun facts you didn't know, but like everyone who likes Pokemon actually knows. I don't like stuff like that. And to my knowledge, I could be wrong. And my apologies to Jubilee Blaze if I am wrong, but that's kind of like the stuff that she does, like top 10s and stuff like that. And I'm not really interested in top 10s. I know a lot of people are. And like, I think I've made like top 10 videos on my YouTube channel before because I'll explain why I like certain Pokemon. I'll like a top 10 or I'll, or that was poor phrasing. I'll do a top 10 so I can explain my thoughts. But I wouldn't watch someone else's top 10, if that makes sense. Um, And they were saying, oh, she's a hardcore feminist. Like, this is a problem. And I was like, okay, let's ease back. Because I find sometimes with feminism or like hardcore, quote unquote hardcore, it tends to not be that hardcore. So I went to Jubilee's profile and I was looking and looking and... As a woman in gaming, you're going to have problems because people do 
dislike women in the gaming community and in other communities, but people don't like women in gaming or they have problems with it or they think they're not real gamers or they think they suck. All of that's bad stuff. So women in gaming expressing their feelings about, you know, the sexism they face, the misogyny they face is to be expected. Like if you experience misogyny, I don't get mad at you when you call out that misogyny. That's not what I'm here for. Excuse me. And that's what her tweets seemed to lead me to believe at first. And I haven't watched any videos from her recently, although I do know she makes videos. So maybe there's a video that explains things better than tweets will. But it seemed like she was like, yo, I'm, I'm explaining my experience in gaming and I'm having problems in gaming and you're not helping by being assholes to me on Twitter, basically. And when it comes to like women in Pokemon in particular, like I've noticed that like people who hate on women in Pokemon, they hate on them mostly because of the Pokemon they like. Like if you don't know Pokemon, imagine like a pink fairy. And if a lot of girls like that pink fairy, a lot of men might be like, oh, only girls like that pink fairy or I don't like the pink fairy. It sucks. Or if girls like Pokemon that aren't competitively viable, they're not like the best Pokemon. Like they'll be like, oh, this girl likes those Pokemon. She must not be like a hardcore Pokemon competitive player or whatever. Um, That's kind of like a, a simplified example. But basically, you get my point. And if she's talking about that, then she has a point also. Um, And I know that like women in not just gaming, but like in sports or in any industry, particularly like up and comers and like young women, they'll find ways to tear them down. They'll create like expose old videos. I just dropped something. I don't know how well you heard that, Um, but they'll do their best to like expose old videos when they may have been problematic, even though they've been changed since then, or they'll try to tear them down using whatever semblance of facts they have. And I'm not for that. Like, I'm not for that in the slightest. Um, But I found two tweets. One that said, why are men so pathetic and weak? I believe is an exact quote. It might not be exactly. And people were mad about that. They were saying, why are men? You should have said, why are some men? Why are most men even? But she said, why are men pathetic and weak? And... She didn't really defend herself as in like trying to counter points to what I saw. It was basically like, because you're replying to this, you're proving my point about men being pathetic and weak. I saw one tweet and again, she might have defended herself, but I just didn't read it. I didn't look too closely at this. I was just kind of going through it on my own time. I saw one tweet that was like, she's saying, why are men in a metonymic sense? The men is a metonym for the larger patriarchal structure. And to an extent, that's true. Um, But I feel like you have to take into context here. Like in the men are trash era, in the men, like we don't need men. Game of Thrones, I think, says all men must die even. In the men are trash era, like, sure, this isn't like a crazy take. And most people, when they say men are trash, they don't really mean like all men are horrible. They mean all men have problems and men need to unlearn certain things. 
But to be a metonym, and if you don't know what a metonym means, it's like using a word that's related to another word to replace that other word. So for an example that people use is like saying Washington as an example for the, the United States government. So instead of saying like the United States government, they'll say like, oh, Washington said that. Or to make it local government, instead of saying California said that, they might say Sacramento said that because that's a capital. If you don't know what a metonym is. So the response was, and this wasn't from Jubilee. It was saying that men is a metonym for the patriarchal system, which I get. But I feel like context is important here. And your fan base is important here because you can't assume that everyone knows that you're talking about the patriarchal system because that's just not something that everyone assumes. Like in our culture, like we know that like Washington or Sacramento or whatever your state capital is, um, is a metonym. Even if we don't know what the metonym means, we don't know what that word means. We know what a metonym is and we use it in our regular life. So when you say like, oh, why are men doing that and you're saying men as a shorthand for the patriarchal system we do live in a patriarchal society so because of that the patriarchal society lets us not think that we are even in a patriarchal society if that makes sense so people aren't always thinking about that so it's hard to assume that you that your followers or that everyone who hears that is going to say that that's a metonym even if you are using it in that way but In the men are trash era, this is not an extreme take. It's not necessarily hardcore feminists, I feel like. People say men are trash every day. Like, men are pathetic. We don't need men. I see that on Twitter multiple times every day. That's not necessarily the the most extreme position to take here. Um, But it was, like, I saw a lot of backlash from that tweet about men being pathetic and maybe the people who have backlash like don't follow women on twitter um or anything like that because i see men are trash every day in some way shape or form i do and it is often shorthand for the patriarchal system but i see that a lot a lot a lot and i just i don't think that's a hardcore take um at all and then there was another tweet about the friend zone being a lie that's made up by men and that the friend zone doesn't exist. And I used to believe that the friend zone doesn't exist. And this was before I knew anything about feminism or anything like that. I just thought that the friend zone, that's not something that exists. That's it. You just made that up. I had a similar take, but I feel like I've refined my take a little bit. I think that the friend zone exists and the friend zone is regardless of gender. One person shows romantic interest in you. You say you're just a friend. That person is a friend zone. Gender doesn't matter. But the friend zone does exist. What can be problematic is fighting to get out of the friend zone. And then this is where my take hasn't been refined. I've always felt like if someone doesn't want you as a romantic partner, but they're fine with you as a friend, just be a friend. Why are you fighting to get out of the friend zone with someone who doesn't want you? Just be friends. It's good to have friends. Why don't you want friends? Stop fighting to get out of the friend zone. Take your friend zone 
and roll with it. Be the best friend you can be. If something happens, it happens. But your goal shouldn't be to to fuck someone just because you're attracted to them. Like if it doesn't work out and you have the blessing of still being friends, then be friends. That's what I say. I say that the friend zone exists. You can be in the friend zone. But if you are in the friend zone, don't be a baby about it. Just be in it. Thrive in it. Be a friend. Don't you might still have attractions and likely the person who puts you in the friend zone is someone who you are attracted to. And maybe those are your own hurdles that you'll have to deal with. Like maybe Natalie Morales from Santa Clarita Diet put you in the friend zone. But all you can do is hype your friend up. If they find another partner or another person, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever friend, you got to be there for them as a friend. You can't be jealous. You can't be a baby. Otherwise, you're going to lose that friend. And then what are you going to do? You have one less friend. And friends are great. You need friends. They made a whole show about friends. You need it. Um, but that's my take on it. I no longer think that the friend zone doesn't exist. And if I remember right, she did say in a tweet, Jubilee did, that the friend zone is a lie and that it doesn't exist. It exists. People put them there. And a lot of times it's women putting men there. But it does happen regardless of gender. I think where it can get problematic is fighting to get out of that friend zone. Just stay in it. The friend zone is nice. It's comfortable. It's very cozy. Come on into the friend zone. Um, I've been friend zone before. You've been friend zone before. We all have. Just, just chill. There's a nice couch, a nice TV in the friend zone. Just chill out. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say on this, and we are reviewing a podcast today, kind of, um, is another thing on Twitter. This made me think of another thing on Twitter that happened like a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago. Um, there was like a shirt going around, like someone made a shirt that said, my anxieties have anxieties. And then on the back, it had like the Google definition of anxiety. And I thought it was a dumb shirt, but people were saying like no one with anxiety would wear this. No one with anxiety would do this. No one with anxiety would telegraph that they have anxiety. At the same time, they're tweeting about how they have anxiety to their hundreds, if not thousands of followers. It just it's not lost on me that maybe you're not telegraphing you have anxiety in real life, but you definitely telegraph that you have anxiety. If you don't wear a shirt about it, that's fine. If you don't tell anyone about it, that's fine. Whether that's in real life or offline or online, if you don't tell anyone or if you do don't tell anyone, that's fine. But to say that no one with anxiety would wear a shirt about anxiety, I think is a little bit off. And I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. But I don't see much of a difference between wearing a shirt that says anxiety and tweeting that you have anxiety. That seems kind of like the same thing, just different ways of expressing the same thing. Like, even if you have anxiety and you're ashamed of it and you don't like it, like, you still need to get that release out. That's why people do therapy. That's why people talk to other people, their friends, their family, um, anyone like that, religious leaders as well. Because even if they have anxiety, they need to get that energy out of them so they talk about anxiety in whatever way they feel right. So if it's buying a shirt, that says I have anxiety, or if it's tweeting, I have anxiety, it's the same thing. So to say no one who has anxiety would wear this dumb shirt, and to be fair, I didn't think it was like a nice looking shirt. I thought it was a kind of lazy design. But 
to say that no one would wear that, I think is a little bit off. Or that anyone who wears a shirt that says anxiety on it is only faking they have anxiety, I think is a little bit off. I feel like anxiety probably manifests itself in different ways. And again, I'm not an expert, so don't take my word as law. But I just thought that was a little bit off and a little bit mean to the people who do have anxiety and thought, yo, this shirt is my key to expressing myself without feeling too anxious about it. I don't know. Um, But anyway, I am going to take a break, but you won't notice, and then I'll be back. And we're back. Um, A couple more things before I let you go. Um, I have a new enemy, and this is a particularly famous enemy. And that enemy is none other than Drake Bell. You might remember Drake Bell from hits like Drake and Josh, The Amanda Show, and that's about it. But Drake Bell blocked me on Twitter, and I don't know why. I have made jokes about Drake Bell in the past. I made Drake Bell jokes. I made Josh Peck jokes. I made jokes about a lot of celebrities, but I made something about Drake Bell. I must have, and there's a dog barking somewhere in the distance. Hopefully it's not too loud for you. But Drake Bell is my enemy. He blocked me. I don't know why. So I've decided to make an enemy out of him. Drake Bell, you can squash the beef right now. If you ever hear this, you can come to me in my DMs. You can unblock me. You can talk about it. I can apologize if I did something wrong. I'm not sure what offended you. Um, But I don't know. But Drake Bell, you are my enemy from now until either we squash the beef or you explain yourself, or anything like that. I'm not sure why you blocked me, but I have problems with it. I don't want to fight you. I don't want to, you know, engage in fisticuffs and tomfoolery and horseplay. But if it comes down to it, we might have to engage in some horseplay. I don't want that, but that might be what happens. And if that does happen, I will win. I will prepare I will train, I will run, I will do jumping jacks, I will jump rope, I will sit up, I will do all of my exercises, all of my calisthenics, I will run a marathon, and when we fight, I will win. Not only will I win, I will win decisively. But anyways, that was a little bit too negative, but it need to be said, Drake Bell is my enemy. Um, So now... We're going into the last portion of the show, um, which is a podcast review. And to be honest, I haven't been listening to any new podcasts. I haven't branched out recently, but I saw a podcast in my feed or in my uh, library and I didn't know where it came from. It was just popped up. It was something I'd never seen before. And it was called With a Pencil. And I realized that it was the same feed as a podcast I listened to a few months ago. Um, that podcast was called Villains with Shea Serrano of The Ringer. Shea Serrano is a writer, um, creator, I guess you could say, um, cultural influence phenomenon, you could say. He works at The Ringer, which is um, sports and culture run by Bill Simmons, all that stuff. And he made a podcast called Villains a few months back. And it was all about like villains, but it was a series. It was like a pre-thought out series that he was like, we're going to do Killmonger. We're going to do Ernesto de la Cruz. We're going to do 
other people that I forget off the top of my head. But they did villains, like movie villains. You did um Chumley from Bloodsport, um, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I like the villains podcast. I would enjoy the format. So let's see what this with a pencil is about. Turns out with a pencil is about John Wick, which is a movie I have not seen. And apparently John Wick has lore and a universe and all that stuff. I had no idea. Maybe I need to watch John Wick. But he has guests. Shay has guests. He, you know, he asked some questions. They didn't really go into a recap of the movie. Not too much because it's a podcast about the movie. So it presupposes that you watch the movie. But he has guests and... Basically, what he does is he crafts questions. He has, like, different categories of questions. He has his own opinion. He asks his guests what the opinion is. And the episode ends. The podcast isn't very long. I don't think any of the podcasts he's done have topped an hour. I think it's about 30 to 45 minutes. But it's really interesting because with villains, I had sort of an idea of what was going on. Like I was familiar with the villains, even if I didn't um, watch the movie that the villains were based off of, I knew what was going on. With John Wick, I don't really know what's going on. So it's a different experience. It's kind of like I'm relaxing and like I'm listening to a lecture that I have no idea what's going on. And it's actually kind of fun. I do kind of wish that it was less structured. Like, it's very structured. You have the guests, you have the questions, you have the hosts, you have the theme song, you have the transitions. Oh my God, there's a dog barking and no one's going to stop it. But you have the guests, you have the transitions, you have the theme song, you have the questions. Everything is very structured and like typically like in podcasts, I kind of like it kind of freeform, kind of loose. And this one is very structured, not in a bad way, not in a rigid way. They still have fun. We still laugh. We still tell jokes. But it's very structured. And I think that's the only downfall. But it also makes it good because it's structured in a way that a lot of podcasts that I listen to aren't. Um, He has like different categories of questions like, should this character be embarrassed by this? Or... What could have been done better? Do you think John Wick regrets what he does? What could John Wick have done better? Is John Wick flawed? Yes or no? And it's structured in a way that <clears throat> it's hard to like eloquate better or eloquate. Did I just say eloquate? I don't think that's the proper way to use that word if it even is a word. But it's hard to say. I don't think I can say it any differently than that. You have, you know, your introduction, you introduce the guests, they go through questions about John Wick, and they have fun along the way. And usually it's Shay and two guests. So that's three people total. Um, And there's music involved, not anything loud or abrasive, just kind of like relaxing, you know, theme music that, you know, takes you in and out of each segment or questions, that is, like each question segment. I'm getting all tied up now. Um, But... I think it's really good. With a pencil, I think if you like John Wick, you'll probably like it. And if you don't like John Wick or you haven't watched John Wick, you'll still like it. So if you haven't watched John Wick like I have, I'd give it 7.75 out of 10. If you have watched John Wick, 
I'd probably give it an 8.5 or 9 out of 10. Um, and that's all I have for now. If you still listen, even though there's dogs barking, I don't know how well you can hear that. But if you still listen, even though there's dogs barking, I appreciate you very, very much. Um, please be safe. Rate five stars if you are so inclined. Um, love you. Goodbye. Hopefully see you next week.